Matthew chapter 14, verse number 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, that's 3 to 6 a.m., uh, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Um, by the way, if you, if you know the geography of where they were, this was a three-and-a-half-mile walk that Jesus took, a three-and-a-half-mile walk across the water. So this was not just taking a few steps running fast across the water. Oh, no. For three-and-a-half miles, he strolled across the Sea of Galilee, just in case you were wondering. Uh, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be, that, if, if, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. A number of years ago, I preached a series called The Invitations of Christ. It's every time that Jesus issues an invitation using the word come. This particular passage was the fourth message in that series. It's not the same message, but it was the fourth method, method, message, message, the fourth message in that series, and it was an invitation to be remarkable. It is God's will, now listen closely to this, it is God's will that all Christians make a difference. None of us are intended of God to be spectators. We are all intended to be participants, to live a life beyond the commonplace. Now, I will tell you, this doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be recognized on earth. I am convinced that we will get to heaven and the most rewards are going to be given to people we never heard of. I mean, thank the Lord for Spurgeon and Moody and Fanny Crosby and Amy Carmichael and William Booth and all these great giants of the faith. Thank the Lord for David Livingston and, and, you know, and Billy Graham and all of that. Thank the Lord for these, these folks. But I'm going to tell you, we're going to see some people step up at the judgment seat of Christ, and they were just faithful. And they did what God called them to do. And they may not have made much of a difference that was noticeable on, you know, on a grand stage. But I'm going to tell you, there are going to be people lined up from here to kingdom come that they made a difference in their lives because they prayed for them or told them about Jesus or whatever. And so I'm not telling you that God's calling all of us to be popular and well-known the world over. and all. That's not what I'm saying. But God does call us to live beyond ourselves. We're not all going to be Susanna Wesley. We're not all going to be D.L. Moody. But we're, we're all people that have the potential to be used of God in a mighty way. 
Jesus called to Peter, and he said, come. And Jesus is calling all of us right now, and he's inviting us to come. Know me, for I'm genuine. Embrace me, for I'm gracious. Serve me, because I'm great. And right now, we're all on the sea. Life is a sea. And sometimes that sea is calm. And sometimes that sea is predictable. And sometimes that sea is even enjoyable. And sometimes a storm comes up out of nowhere. And it gets treacherous. And it gets scary. And we find ourselves in the middle of that sea. See, the Sea of Galilee is only about seven miles wide. At that point where they were anyway. But they were in the middle. And they couldn't see the coast on either side. All they could see was the storm. You ever been there? You you know where we started and you know where we're headed, but right now you're in the middle of a storm, that storm being life, and you can't see anything but the storm. There's two kinds of Christians. There's those that, whether it's stormy or whether it's placid, there's those that have decided, as for me, I'm just going to stay in the boat. I'm going to sit right here, and I'm going to wait for the Lord to do whatever it is the Lord's going to do, and eventually I'm going to make it to the other side. I'm just going to stay in the boat and the storm is raging and I'm scared or the the waves are calm and I'm refreshed but I'm just going to stay in the boat but every once in a while some brave Christian decides if the Lord will call me I'm going to get out of the boat because now remember this don't do it unless he calls you But some of you, he's calling to get out of the boat. This boat takes many forms. Lately, it seems like this boat has taken the form of our couch as we watch church online. I'm much more comfortable here, Pastor. Now, now I know that I'm preaching to people that are here. But those that are watching online, I see you. Some of you are home because you're sick or you're taking care of a sick child or you're watching at work and probably shouldn't be. Some of you are out of town and have decided because you can't settle on a church where you are, maybe you're watching. I'm, I'm for all of those things. But there's some of you, you're watching online whether you are here or somewhere else and you can be in a local assembly and you should be in a local assembly and you know you should be in a local assembly. Get out of your boat. I'm here. This can be a boat too. I'm so comfortable right here in this pew. Might be time to get out your boat. But, but, but I can sit right here, and I can just ride it out, and I can just, this is nice. 
It is. Unless the master is calling you to get out. See, we're all on the sea. And all of us start out in the boat. But there's some people that the Holy Spirit of God even now is saying, I've been on you to get out of the boat for a while. I'm out here on the sea. I'm out here on the waves. And I want to do something miraculous in your life. I want to do something that nobody can deny is of God. But you won't get out of the boat. So we look to Peter, a template. We're all going to get to the other side if you're saved. We know that. But I got to be honest with you. I think that we get too content to float over there on the boat when God wants us to walk there. Now I realize all of these got over there in the boat with Jesus, but Jesus was in that boat. I'm convinced of this. When Jesus said, come, if all 12 of them would have jumped out the boat, they all would have walked on water. God's no respecter of persons. But only one got out. Man, we give Peter a hard time. He shouldn't have took his eyes off Jesus. He started to sink. <laughs> and none of us would have got out of the boat. Fact is, he, he remains the one of only two people to ever walk on water. Can I remind you? He walked to Jesus. He began to sink. And then he walked back. Are you like me? Do you have something within you that is stirring that you want to be used mightily of God? You want, to, you want God to do the miraculous in your life? You want it to be seen by all? You want to see how great our God is and what he's capable of? You want to be one of these Christians not content to stay in the boat, but you want to walk across the water in the midst of all the turbulence and the trouble and all that life see can churn up. You want to be somebody walking on it. Well, let's look to Peter. And let's learn how to walk on life's water. Father, help us to be those kind of people that are willing, if you call us, to get out of the boat and walk, to do something great for you, something that is forever immortalized in the annals of heaven, men and women, boys and girls of faith that took that step and was used of God to do something great. Help me to preach this in the way that most pleases you. And may Christ be lifted up. For it's in his name we ask these things. Amen. <laughs> well, Andy, I'm not one of those kind of Christians. I'm not ambitious. I'm not in the forefront, I'm probably better just to stay in the boat. If Jesus calls you to get out of the boat, you are not better to stay in the boat. There is not one person in here under the sound of my voice that is unqualified to be used of God mightily. It comes down to what we want. 
do we want business as usual? Man, I'm so thankful for what's going on at Granite. And if we hit 90 this year, praise the Lord. But if God wants us to have 100, I want 100. If God wants us to have 150, I want to have 150. Now, we'll have to hire some people. And we'd get better get on the stick and build that thing over there. When did we get satisfied with the same old, same old as Christians? When did we stop believing in a miracle working God? When did we stop believing that God can and wants to do great things? Why is it we think because we live in little old Wythe County, Virginia, that big things don't happen here? Andy's folly over there, the $3 million family life center when inflation is running rampant and gas is $5 a gallon and building materials are high, you must be out of your mind. No, I'm telling you several years ago, Jesus said, get out the boat. And yet we're so content to just stay where we're comfortable to stay where we think we're safest instead of stepping out and walking on the waves. When we read this account in any of the Gospels that have it, nobody talks about the other 11. The only one they talk about is Peter. I want to be one of those people that, that, that looks back on my life and says, you know what, by God's grace, yeah, sometimes I stayed in the boat and sometimes Jesus said, get out and walk on the water and I did for his glory and he, he showed his might in it. How do we do it? Number one, resist giving in. The number one thing that I struggle with, the number one temptation that I face as a pastor and as a man is the desire to quit. Thank the Lord for whoever came up with that dumb motto we have painted everywhere around here. Honor God. Do your best. Never quit. Everywhere I walk around here, when I feel like I want to quit, the walls preach to me. (laughs) I just want to quit. And sometimes I have good reasons for wanting to quit, and sometimes you have good reasons for wanting to quit. Don't look at me all sanctimonious like you never want to quit, because sometimes you do. we got to resist giving in. Verse 23, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. In Mark's account in chapter 6, verse 48, it says they were to- he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. Toiling and rowing has the idea of exerting great effort. Jesus was praying somewhere around 6 p.m. in the evening, and he appeared to them somewhere around 3 to 6 in the morning. 
That means they had been rowing against this storm for a minimum of nine and perhaps as much 12 hours. It's a good thing they didn't give up. But how often do we fail to live up to God's best for us because we just don't purpose that we're not going to give up? Now, I understand it takes God's grace. I understand that we don't have anything in us. But sometimes Christianity is a matter of a man or a woman or a boy or a girl getting some grit in their gut and just saying, you know what, I'm just not going to give up on this. There have been marriages that have been saved because a husband or a wife just decided, you know what, by God's grace, I'm just not going to quit on this thing. There have been kids that have come back to God because mom and dad just decided, by God's grace, I'm not going to quit on them. I'm not going to give up on them. There have been churches that have been revived because a group of people within that church said, you know what, it doesn't matter how many people lay out. It doesn't matter how many people get uninvolved. It doesn't matter how many people complain. I'm going to pray every day that God does something in our midst. We're just not going to quit. I've been asking God for revival for years. Maybe it's sparking in people's individual hearts, but as a church, can I say that we're seeing revival? I can't see it. I was so fired up about the family life center, and I felt like things were on an upswing, and then COVID came. Just killed everything. But we can't quit. You don't know how many times in years past when we were down in the teens that I thought maybe, just maybe, it's time for us to stop trying to resurrect granite. But God wouldn't let us quit. And now we're out of room. Sometimes it's just a matter of refusing to quit. The Christian life is a struggle, but don't quit. Because once again, God can use a failure. I am living proof of that. God, I have failed at just about everything I've tried in life. I've told you, my first pastorate, I look back on it and I see it largely as a failure. I didn't mention that to the pulpit committee when I candidated here. I don't know that I'm accurately assessing my time there. I don't know, but that's how I see it. And when it comes to this church, who knows? When my time's done here, I may look back and say, I don't know. I don't know. But God can use failures. But he can't use quitters. Well, somebody looked at me wrong. I'm not going back to that church. Well, somebody said something to me I didn't like. I'm not going back to that church. Well, somebody didn't recognize me. Somebody didn't remember me. Somebody didn't decide. I'm just going to quit. And God can't use it. Resist giving in. You want to walk on life's water instead of being under it, instead of staying in the boat. You want to walk on life's water. Resist giving in. I suppose we could also say refuse to give in. Number two, recognize God's intent. Verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. By the way, that was a Jewish thing. They were, they were quick to think that things were ghostly. That was the culture back then. Not so much now, but back then. They were quick to say, that's a spirit. 
When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. The other disciples only saw a storm and what they thought was a ghost. But Peter saw something more. Peter looked into that storm and saw that God intended more than what was evident. Did you notice at no point did Jesus initiate the idea for Peter to come to him? Whose idea was it? It was Peter's. Now, it's very possible that Jesus planted that idea in him, but the point is, he saw that God intended to do something more than just in the storm. If you go back to Mark chapter 4, which happened before this, they all knew that Jesus could end the storm. They all knew that Jesus had the power to say, peace, be still, and everything lays down. They all knew that, but Peter said something more is going on here. Now, the rest of them, they were content to just sit in the boat and wait for Jesus to fix everything. But Peter saw that God intended him to take an extra step, to do a little bit more. Storms have two purposes. God will allow a storm into our life to correct us. Jonah is a good example of that. But he will also allow a storm into our life to perfect us, to make us more like Jesus. And that's what this storm was about. This storm, I don't think, was about correcting the disciples, and certainly not Peter. This was about growing Peter. This was about perfecting Peter. This was about doing something in his life that he needed to be more like Jesus. And Peter saw God's intent. He recognized it. He stepped out on faith that he might be better. And how many of us are content to stay in our boat and wait for life to happen to us instead of stepping out for the miracle God intends? What do you need? Now, please understand, I'm not saying that we can do anything apart from God. We, we understand that. What miracle do you need? What are you waiting for? Well, I'm just going to sit here and wait for God to do whatever he's going to do. Maybe God intends for you to get up and do something. Hmm? Maybe God intends for us to get out of the boat and get to walking. I don't know what to do. He'll show you. We Christians have gotten to the bad habit of, of stopping to live supernaturally. You do understand we're, we're meant to live supernaturally. George Mueller had a ministry to orphans that God took care of supernaturally. Hudson Taylor had a ministry to the Chinese that God took care of supernaturally. We serve the same God that could open up the Red Sea. We serve the same God that could raise the dead. We serve the same God that put his son on a cross to pay for all of our sins. Why is it that our God has gotten so much smaller in 2022? Maybe America's in the shape it's in because Christians are content to stay in the boat.
You want to walk on life's water? Resist giving in. Recognize God's intent. Number three, respond to God's instructions. Verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Do you think maybe that that Peter might have said, if it be thou, bid me come. Come. Oh, man. (laughs) What did I just say? I'm stupid. And then he starts climbing over the side. And the other side says, Peter, you're not really going to do that, are you? Well, yeah. Why? Because that's what God said to do. If God gives me instructions, I have no choice but to respond. And we would all say amen to that. Of course, when God gives you instructions, you you respond. Of course you do. Do we? I read his instructions every morning. Do I respond to them? Well, eventually I get around to it. No, delayed obedience is disobedience. Do I respond when he instructs me? When it says come, it's interesting. The word that's used there is a kingly command. It's not a suggestion. It's the master of the universe saying come. And I'm sure the other disciples are trying to talk him out of it because this is crazy, Peter. This is Peter being Peter again. Peter focused on being obedient to his master's word. He was the only one to do so, the only one to leave the boat, and he understood this wonderful truth. It's safer on the sea with Jesus than in the boat without him. There may come a day that my daughter or my son come to me and my wife and say, Mom, Dad, God's speaking to me about being a missionary. Church planning in Denver, maybe? this country way over here or that may happen and my wife and I better understand that our children are safer where God is than here without him even so I'd like for God to call my children to work for me when God's word is clear We've got to ignore all other influences and just obey his instructions. But it doesn't make sense sometimes. When is God obligated to make sense to us? As a parent, do we sometimes tell our kids to do something and don't bother to tell them all the why? Just do it. Well, I would like to understand it. Do it. Man, Mary, Jesus' mother, gives the best advice you can get in John chapter 2. She looked at the servants at the wedding of Cana, and this is what she said. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Can I tell you, that's the best advice I can give any Christian. Whatsoever he saith to you, do it. Do it. You want to walk on the water? You want to live in the miraculous? Resist giving in. Recognize God's intent. Respond to God's instructions, and then finally, retain godly interaction. Verse 30. Man, Peter's doing great, isn't he? 
steps out, climbs over the side of the boat, lets go of the boat. And I have this, I have this suspicion, this is just sanctified imagination. I feel like the water didn't hold him up till they let go of the boat. As long as he's holding on to the side of that boat, his feet are just paddling in the water. But as soon as he let go, there you go. Can I prove it? No, but I'm right. <laughs> and there he goes, walking on the water. <laughs> but then it says, when he saw the wind, I like pointing this out. You don't see wind. You see the effects of wind. Sometimes we see things that we actually don't see. And it throws us off. He saw the wind. He saw the the waves. He saw the storm around him. It took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to sink. That's always been fascinating to me because my understanding of how water works is you don't begin to sink. You sink. If, If I were to step out into a pool and just step into it, I am not going to begin to sink. And I'm just standing there, you know. It's straight down. I've always been told that bigger people are more buoyant. I am not. I sink like a stone. I am a living, breathing boat anchor. It says Peter began to sink. Now that goes against physics. But then again, walking on the water to begin with went against physics. So that shouldn't surprise us. But I think it is a lesson. Very seldom do we really just go off the deep end and just plummet into sin. No, it's a gradual process. But what does Peter do immediately when he begins to sink? Lord, save me! We get on Peter for, you know, sinking. But let's give Peter some credit. He knew exactly what to do when he was. And I got news for you, friend. There's going to be times you start to sink. I don't care how much faith you got. I don't care how godly you are. I don't care how long you've been saved. There's going to be times in your life that you're starting to sink. And what makes the difference if you know what to do when it starts? Well, not me. I'm just not going to sink. Well, you're in serious trouble then. Because if you feel that way, you're already sinking. He cried out to Jesus who immediately helped him. And we are going to encounter problems, but we need to maintain an open line. By the way, that means keeping short accounts with God. Don't let sin into your life that can hinder your fellowship, not your salvation, but hinder your fellowship. What the psalmist say in Psalm 66, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So I got something in my life needs to be confessed? Confess it. Get, it. get it taken care of so that way you can call upon God at any moment. To do the miraculous, to walk on water, there must be an uninterrupted interaction with the Lord. Leonard Ravenhill, the great saint of yesteryear, makes a statement that never fails to convict me. 
no Christian ever rises above the level of his or her prayer life. So I can lock myself in my study and I can be in those books all day long and I can come out with 19 series that covers us for the next five years and it can be, I mean, just grade A expositional content. But if I'm not walking with God in my prayer life, it's all for naught. And many people aren't living in the miraculous and walking on the water of life and it comes right down to our prayer life. So what? Well, we're all on the sea. And we all start off in the boat. And maybe that's where you need to stay. But there's going to come a point in your life that your Creator, your Savior, is going to holler, Come. It's time to step out. He's going to offer you the opportunity to do something magnificent for God. If I'm candid with you, when I get to heaven, there's one disciple I want to meet before any other. I want to meet Peter. I got a bunch of questions for Peter. Hey, Peter, were you going for his ear? Or were you just bad with a sword? Hey, Peter, what was it like the first time he filled your nets? Hey, Peter, what was it like to walk on water? How'd you do it? You want to tell me? I refused to give in. I recognized God had a different intent. I respond to his instructions, and I retained my interaction with him. And if we'll do those things, we won't just get out of the boat. We'll walk on life's water.